the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into hour two of our daily three-hour tour. It's a delight to bring back our old friend David Riaboy. You should uh, follow him on Twitter if you do not. It's one of the most active uh, Twitter sites. You learn a lot from his uh, from his Twitter feed. Uh, Politico called him a right-wing Twitter pugilist. I think that's unfair, but he is a Twitter pugilist in the best sense. National security and political expert David Riaboy, welcome back to the show, sir. How are you? I'm great. Thanks to be with you. Uh, it's good to be with you. You're Thank always you doing interesting things. I mean, you really are one of the most interesting people. The, the stuff you write and then your hobbies and what you tweet about, uh, your bass playing, your jazz, uh, you being a jazz aficionado. Are you listening to anything cool jazz-wise that we should know about that maybe we don't? I was playing oh some gosh. Miles Davis earlier. I don't, I don't know. So it was, uh, it was one of my favorite musicians' birthdays, uh, 83rd birthdays last week, and that's uh, the Brazilian uh, singer and composer, Georgia Bain. And um, I wrote a little piece up about him at my sub-stack, at least for Public Nonsense. So um, all week I've kind of just been listening to his classic records, and, and if you go to Late Republic Nonsense, to the first article, which is at the bottom of, of, of uh, an article that we're probably going to talk yeah. talk about today, yeah. which is about uh, which is about uh, uh, sanctions uh, with regards to Iran and, and Russia and, and, and Ukraine and, and and the Biden administration. But if you go to the bottom of that article, you'll see a uh, an appreciation of uh, of two records in particular from uh, from the very early seventies that I think are really brilliant and any jazz lover will uh, will appreciate them. Good for good for you, and thanks for that. Do you want to say something about your Substack uh, Late Republic Nonsense uh, feed? I, you might as well, because I was sending people to your Twitter account, but they should also go to your Substack account right, regularly, yeah, too. You, you want to say something about it? Sure. At Substack, um, I have a, a, um, a little blog there called Late Republic Nonsense, where I do podcasts and also writing um, about... Uh, political issues about national divorce in particular, which is something that I've been uh, kind of writing about for a long time in an extended way. Um, and uh, and then, you know, also about uh, music as well. And, and uh, as far as the podcasts go, I just talk to my friends, and it's a really loose conversation, and, um, and it's been good. I don't do it, um, you know, every week or every day or something, but, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's, it's always fun to, to be able to you know, put out stuff that I'm interested in and that I believe in, and, and I hope that there's an audience for it. I think there is, and uh, if you look at your Twitter feed and how many people follow you, David, uh, you know, and you think differently uh, than, than the crowd, than the crowd of, uh, uh, the, you know, the cultural and political elite of Washington, D.C., and by thinking differently, you also get to the truth of matters that they never do. We can talk a little bit about that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that actually later if we do have time, the whole Ann Applebaum, Jonah Goldberg nonsense. Um, oh, I, I missed it. I was I was actually with uh, with Governor DeSantis today. Oh, that's a better and, answer. <laughs> that's a better crowd. Right. Right. <laughs> one sure ranger, one riot, one riot, one ranger. They say in Texas, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one riot, one governor. <laughs> right. 
So I'm just catching up on on that news. I'm just uh, I saw that there were some clips floating. Yeah, no problem. I, I we can catch up yet. on it a little. Later. I can get you up to speed. In 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 fact, I'll just get get you up to speed so we can get rid of the curiosity before we go to your Iran piece. But basically, Ann Applebaum and Jonah Goldberg were at a conference on disinformation sponsored by the University of Chicago. A freshman at the University of Chicago asks Ann Applebaum again on a conversation in a conversation conference about disinformation. You know, if she would revisit her 2020 uh, dissent from thinking that the Hunter Biden laptop scandal was a was an important or serious story. She wrote very vitriolically that it wasn't. Has she revisited that now that other mainstream organizations have, have validated it? And she said it's of no interest to her because it has nothing to do with the presidency of Joe Biden. And then Jonah Goldberg came on later, of course, to double down on that. He of CNN. Uh, to double down on that, saying there is absolutely no evidence that the Hunter Biden story had anything to do with the 2020 election. Never mind what, you know, 9 percent of Biden voters said in swing states that they wouldn't have voted for Biden if if, if they knew of the story. Jonah's here to tell you that's all bunk. Nothing to see here. Time to move on. That's that's what's going on. Right? That's what's going on over there. Yeah. I mean, these people are deeply, deeply unserious and and uh, and and. They're also very deeply ideological. They're as as much fanatics as any you know jihadi in a cave that you can find. Single-minded, absolute fanatics. And um, you know, unfortunately, they have the uh, the institutional support of you know the Atlantic and CNN and and sort of the the mainstream commentariat that holds them up as as, uh, you know, a kind of gold standard in political commentary, but they're silly. You know, I mean, Ann Applebaum is a special case because she was once a pretty decent scholar. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when I was growing up... Oh, we all know, read her Black stuff Book on of it. Communism. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Of course. I mean, she's, she was one of the authoritative uh, uh, folks, uh, you know, legit historians yep. on the crimes of the Soviet Union. Yep. Uh, uh, and... Um, and now to see what happened to her is, is just ridiculous. I mean, I I read her, you know, I mean, it's not a guilty pleasure at all, but like... Guilty guilty masochism. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I'm curious because because every time I read her, I think, hey, maybe she's going to say something interesting. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's like, it's really kind of um, vacuous. Yeah, it's increasingly uninteresting, stuff. isn't it? Yeah. Right, right, and and it's all um, like if you if you understand the key, which is the key to lock, unlocking the whole thing, which is that democracy, capital D, and liberalism, and all these things are just synonymous for um, you know a, a very particular, um, not even political attitude, but a very particular like you know cosmopolitan trans uh, you know political attitude that pretty much describes a modern woke, technocratic, um, uh, you know, Western European government. I mean, that's, that's, that's just what it means. So if you replace the Obama slash Biden administration every time um, she says liberal democracy, then you're getting closer to what she means. Mm-hmm. I think she's, she's a one-trick pony. A lot, well, most of these people, they're one-trick ponies depending on people thinking that you know, democracy and freedom and liberalism are the things that they know to, you know, they they need to be growing up. And they're just referring to a, a, a different set of ideas with the same term. 
I agree with everything you said. And then there's something you put your finger on too, David. I'm sorry, we haven't even gotten to your Iran piece yet. We will, are you okay for time? Do you have to run? Sure, sure, oh, sure. Okay. Um, they do something else, and I know you've seen this. I don't know if there's a word for it, but you know, if you watch the Ann Applebaum or the Jonah Goldberg videos, they they take this, I suppose, reputation they've garnered from their work, some of it serious in the past, and Ann Applebaum certainly did some serious work in the past, and they kind of use it to lord over the rest of us in the sense of when she says, this is deeply uninteresting to me, she says it in a way like, and so should it be to all of you because of who I am. I don't know if I'm communicating the the sentiment quite right, but they take their laurels and weaponize them in a sense that if I say this, you should immediately agree because because you know I'm the smart person here and I'll do the thinking for you. I I don't know what the word for that is. I I, I but you've seen it. Maybe maybe just arrogance. Uh, maybe yeah, just the I arrogance mean, of ignorance. Say, I, I... Sure, I would say arrogance. I mean, I think that uh, combined with that is also, you know, Pauline Kael syndrome. Yeah, which is, you know, you know, basically, I don't know anyone who thinks that story is important. Right. <laughs> well, yes. okay, that yes, that crowd is pretty self-selecting. You know, the uh, the uh, the the um, the um, you know the waiting line at uh, at the cash register at Zay bars on the uh, on the Upper West Side. Nobody <laughs> finds the Hunter Biden story interesting. <laughs> you know, that's like not exactly a representative sample. I would love um, to. I would love to stand in line with you at Zabar's and have a conversation and a meal. I would love to do oh, that. that. <laughs> I would love oh, to that do would, that. that. You know, Delhi. That would be great. <laughs> and just and just and just talk to people. Yeah. And just talk yeah. to people and, and 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 see how crazy they are. You know what, though? I bet you they're not any crazier. I bet you know just to tie a couple different you know stories together. I think that if you show them some of the things that appear on libs of TikTok, yeah. Um, uh, you know, Twitter account, and you see some of the crazy stuff that's happening, the real groomer stuff that's happening yeah. in school. Yeah, I think they would be horrified, just like normal people. It takes the real. Yeah, let, um, let me pick up on that. I gotta take. A, I gotta take a commercial break. Let me pick up on that with you. If you're okay to do this before we get to your round sure. piece, I'd love to push on that just a little bit with you, sure. a little bit more. I'm Seth Liebson. He's David Realboy. You can go and see his stuff. Go to David uh, DaveRealboy.com uh, or go to his Substack or go to his Twitter feed at Dave Realboy. He spells his last name r-e-a-b-o-i i'm seth he's david we'll be right back welcome back to the seth leapson show david Riaboy is our guest uh, you can read his material either at twitter at dave Riaboy or substack where he uh, writes longer pieces he spells his last name r-e-a-b-o-i if you are uh, trying to follow him or look him up, David, I, well, you said something, and I and I and I just wanted to tease it out with you. You can help set my thinking straight on it when it comes to people like Ann Applebaum and Jonah Goldberg and how they lord their opinion over. Well, certainly it would include college freshmen, but other people, whether they're you know uh, argufiers on social media or really you know fellow 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 writers and columnists. Um. You know, it's this question. They may or may not know the the details that you and I in this audience would know about Hunter Biden's laptop. I tend to think they probably know a little more than they let on. 
But I also I'm wondering where you come down on this notion of do we even care what they think anymore? Are they even really even are they even really relevant anymore? Do they think they're relevant and important in a world that has moved past them? In the conservative movement, it's certainly fair to say that I think it's moved past Jonah. Um, And I and I and I don't know the Ann Alpabombs of the world. They weren't really of the conservative movement, though conservatives, I think, for a while, you know, would cite to her or read them. But I almost get the sense that these are um, what what do I want to say? Tired, exhausted volcanoes. Yeah, has been. Yeah. Maybe we just shouldn't give two two cents to what they say anymore. What do you think? I don't know how to handle this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's pretty much where um, that's pretty much where I am at and where I've been. Um, As a matter of fact, I wrote a piece. Um, addressing this point Good. called uh, Stop Yelling Stop. Okay. And um, it's at my Substack, and it's from uh, you know several months ago or maybe last year. I guess from, from last year already. And um, and the point that I made was that, again, these people are irrelevant, and, um, and we, need to, we need to create new dividing lines for where we believe the, you know, where we believe the argument is. That yeah. is, we need to to sort of reappraise who our interlocutors are and what we are, uh, you know, what we're liable to, to get from, uh, you know, from an exchange like this. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to speak to someone um, of goodwill uh, on one hand. Um, on the other hand, you don't want to waste your time speaking with someone in a different language mm-hmm. or, or who has, or who, let's say, who speaks a, a different moral language or with a completely different fact pattern. Um, and, uh, you know, like, you know, we can, we can say our piece and then they'll start screaming about, you know, uh, fascism and, you know, white supremacy and, you know, 1619 project. And, you know, like, like, where do you begin? You know, you, you could waste all of your time talking to these people just by going point by point and refuting their worldview. And, my argument was that, like, if you have to begin by refuting someone's worldview, like, you're not, you're, 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 you know, you're, you're not responding to them. It's not, it's, it's, it's really pointless um, in order to move to, let's say, the next stage, in order to find more fruitful ground um, with which we can, uh, you know, figure stuff out and, and, uh, and, Sort of, you know, reappraise where we are as as a as a country or as a movement or or, or, or what have you. Um, you know, we're going to have to start getting into uh, you know into conversations, you know, real ones and 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 fruitful ones where we can figure out you know who's right and who's wrong on on a variety of uh, on a variety of issues that are important now and also in the future. But it is a total waste of our time uh, for us to retread the same old ground and. In particular, um, I singled out some of these people. I, I signaled out Goldberg mm-hmm. in particular mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, what's the point? You know, what's the point of, of, of arguing with people who, for example, will say, "Oh no, um, if she, you know, um, uh, the, you know, the, it's like some people at, uh, at the Cato Institute, you know, true, true hardcore libertarians will say that America is not a, America is an economy with a with a country, right. as opposed to a country with an economy. Right. And you know, folks who are in this, you know, very um, you know hyper free market, uh, uh, you know, frame of mind when it comes to, for example, big tech 
uh, censorship of what amounts to the means of communication. Mm-hmm. You know, um, any Marxist would be able to identify, you know, the means of, of, of production. I mean, if that means anything or has ever meant anything, it encapsulates the way digital communications happen in the United States in 2022, you know, which is to say on social media. I agree with Um, all of that. Yeah. And I also want to add something else, which could sound petty. I don't mean it to be, because I think the conservative movement at its best is um, is, you know, debates its its ideas with with one another and in public and with obviously liberals in the left in in an even better world, though, though they've they've stopped wanting to debate with us. Um. Which is this, when you take someone like Jonah Goldberg, less so Anne Applebaum, but Jonah or if you want David French, his colleague, it's it's odd that they spend not 90 percent of their time, but 99.9 percent of their time taking down conservatives. There's something odd about that, isn't there? I, they're just – they take their talents, whatever they may be, as a conservative – to attack conservative individuals as well as ideology. This debate, you used the word earlier. I used it uh, earlier as well. Grooming. This. Why are they so upset with us using the word grooming, and where were they during the debate when we were trying to fight for our children? Right. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that, there's, a, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> you know, first, firstly, I would say, <laughs> look, uh, you know, look at look at the sources of money that uh, that are flowing into to folks like Goldberg and French, um, and uh, and Steve Hayes and um, Charlie Sykes, mm-hmm. and you know, the list goes on and on. I mean, a lot of these people are funded by dem- liberal Democrats and, okay. and donors who fund liberal Democrat projects, and you know. You know, and 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 folks who you know all voted enthusiastically for Joe Biden the last time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, so of course this is what you know they 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 know where the bread is buttered, um, and or and and, uh, and they know who's signing the check. So you know that's that's what they're going to do. Um, they can err on that side. Um, but look, I mean, when I was growing up, and still the phenomenon exists today. We used to call them as a Jew. Uh-huh. Um, who would show up and and attack uh, you know Israel uh, in you know in particular mm-hmm. and their, their opening statement was you know as a Jew mm-hmm. I think yeah. blah 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 right and it and and it was and it was an attempt to make their testimony unimpeachable <sighs> by virtue of their identity yeah and and and, and an identity by the way that you know they were born with that not that they earned right one more break right. let, let me let me take sure. a commercial pick up on that point. That's actually a big one. I was talking about that very thing with Mark Bauerlein the other day. You know, you may you may know Mark, um, and he was doing it with race. People now stand up and do it with race as a form of preemptive or a priori cutting off of dissent or disagreement or elevation of expertise, uh, which it is not. I'm Seth Leibson. He's David Riaboy. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. David Riaboy is our guest. You can uh, read his works over at Substack, DaveRiaboy.substack.com. You can follow on Twitter, at Dave Riaboy, and he spells his last name R-E-A-B-O-I. Dave, you were just about to make an interesting point uh, right before the break. People who stand up and try and make some kind of peremptory or, or a priori 
cancellation of any dissent, doubt, disagreement from their audience while elevating themselves by their introductory uh, statements, uh, their prefaces when they make a point by saying, as a Jew, dot, 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 or as an African-American ellipses, right? You were about to make a point about that. Uh, right, right. So, I mean, the, the conversation was about these sort of, um, let's say, former, um, you know, the never-Trump uh, former conservatives yeah. um, who maybe still self-identify as conservatives, but... Yeah. You know, at the end, at the end of the day, the, the other thing that unites us uh, or unites them is that they really hate us. They despise us. They they don't read. You, you know, you 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 suggested before that you know maybe uh, Apple, Bauman, Goldberg know more about the Hunter Biden laptop than they're letting maybe, on. Maybe, yeah, yeah, I don't maybe, think so. maybe. Yeah. I don't think so because okay. because the extent to which I mean, it's like you're dealing with a leftist. They consume leftist media and. You know, I mean, this goes to one of my pet peeves for years or decades about, let's say, the establishment right, uh-huh. which is they live in a world constructed completely by um, the, the left, you know, information architecture. Okay. Right? Yep. The, the only, um, they're not reading right-wing media. They're only reading left-wing media because whatever. They think the New York Times is, 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 is truthful. Right, yeah. Um, no, they so, still respect the New York Times, yeah. Right. So, of course, so they're, they're buying into a whole set of facts that, that you know, don't really exist. They're completely um, uh, ignorant of any other, you know, set of facts. The, the extent to which they have familiarity with, let's say, the conservative, um, you know, information ecosystem is through left-wingers who are trying to debunk it. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, so I don't think they know. I don't think they have any idea. I mean, I, I think if you would say, you know, Tony Bobulinski, um, who was uh, Hunter Biden's, uh, you know, one of the business partners who was in on the emails, who, who verified the authenticity of the emails um, before the election, I think they would look at you and with a blank stare. I think you're right. Um, I don't, you know, yeah. I, I think Anne Applebaum would look at you. I'm going to get in trouble for this. I think Anne Applebaum would look at you with a blank stare. And I think Jonah Goldberg would make fun of who Tony Bobolinsky is by dint of his name. That's what I think would happen. Pro- probably. And make a Simpsons joke. Yeah. 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 All right. We've spent too much time on people who don't deserve it. But there's some interesting stuff to be gleaned from there about how we as conservatives should march forward. Let me get to that uh, because you, you're doing some interesting – well, you always do interesting work. But you did some interesting work on – the argument over the new nuclear deal with Iran and the use of sanctions. Uh, do sanctions work? What Iran's clandestine economy means for Biden's Russia policy. Glad you wrote this, David, and not only for what you put together here, but because, you know, people seem to bow down at the altar of sanctions as if they mean something. They really don't. They really don't. It's really hard to find sanctions ever moving an enemy country in the direction we want. But you take it and tell the audience what you're driving at here, because you've discovered kind of a sure. whole network of problems. Yeah, I mean, um, so this this piece introduces a lot of problems. Um, and unfortunately, it doesn't really solve any problems or even present any solutions. But I think sometimes even talking through the problems is beneficial. Yep. So, so this is uh, so this is where we are. Um, I, I noticed a, a very strong disconnect between the very tough, very um, 
uh, you know, um, uh, let's say no-nonsense and belligerent language with which the Biden administration and Biden himself uh, approaches Russia when it comes to Ukraine. Right. Um, but then when it comes to the subject of Iran, where the United States has basically given over the uh, the new Iran deal portfolio to the Russians mm-hmm. uh, in Vienna in order to, you know, quote-unquote, negotiate that, um, uh, you know, this is this is a kind of massive disconnect. Let and, me do um, this. This was our short segment. Sure. We have a long one coming up. You set the table for the piece I originally invited you on. Let me take the quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll give you all the time in the world that you need for this, okay? No I'm problem. Seth Liebson. He is David Riaboy. You're not going to want to miss this, folks. Uh, what David has put together on the, gosh, how would you say it, the honeycombing uh, efforts that Iran has gone through to avoid sanctions. And what we are marching headlong into with this deal that needs to be stopped if we care about things we say we care about, even if we care about things the left says they care about, human rights, liberal order, all of it. We'll be right back with more from David Riaboy. There's a little uh, Bob Dylan for you. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. David Riaboy is our guest. His piece at Substack on sanctions in Iran. Do sanctions work? What Iran's clandestine economy means for Biden's Russia policy. David, sorry, you were just getting warmed up as to what you were uncovering. You can take it from the top or wherever you would like. Sure. My, my piece was uh, kind of instigated by an investigation that uh, the Wall Street Journal took into um, Iran's clandestine uh, efforts to evade uh, U.S. sanctions. And, and most of these sanctions were imposed uh, by the Trump administration. I think, you know, they had a they had a um, you know, they had they had a good plan. And uh, and, the, you know, the, the plan was to do maximum pressure. And and what. What the Trump administration wanted to do by those sanctions is they wanted to cut off the extra money. They wanted to force Iran to spend the money that they have within Iran on domestic projects as opposed to on their terror proxies, mm-hmm. like Hezbollah, like the Houthis in Yemen, like um, you know Shia militias in, in Syria and Iraq. And, um, you know, and... They did not do that. In fact, what uh, the Iranians did was they built up an old system of, uh, you know, it's kind of ex- explained in the article, uh, you know, too arcane for radio, but uh, but they developed an elaborate system to, you know, to circumvent these sanctions. And and at the end of the day, it's what ends up happening all the time, which is that, um, you know, you can uh, you can uh, you can try to prevent. Uh, you know, trade between two people, but the world is more than just two people. So that 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 money will be able to find that product um, at some point. It's mm-hmm. just a, it's just a matter of how much it's going to cost and and what the circuitous route will be uh, that will get there. And and I think that has um, relevance to to the debate that we're in right now in regards to Russia and the effectiveness of sanctions on Russia. I mean. Um, you know, we, we had, I wrote the article, um, before we had the, the precise numbers come out, but it looks like the ruble has bounced back to its prior, um, you know, to, to its prior place. You know, they took a hit. Joe Biden pounded his chest and said that, you know, we've reduced the ruble to rubble and, uh, now it's back. And, uh, and, you know, the other lesson, of course, is that Russia is not Iran 
and uh, and Russia is a much larger, more powerful country that can afford to find trading partners like India, like um, like China, um, that um, you know that that could uh, you know they could make do with without us, you know after after taking a small hit. So just the um, as you said, the effectiveness of uh, of these sanctions um, at the end of the day. Who does it hurt? Mm-hmm. If it doesn't end up changing government policies that we don't like, then it ends up hurting the average person, mm-hmm. which is which is the opposite of what we want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the average Iranian is paying for this. The average Russian is paying for this, even though they have, um, you know, no decision-making authority. Um, so, you know, either we're going to target the leadership, uh, which is what um, you know some of the folks are doing on Russia targeting you know oligarchs and, and, and senior Russian leadership and the same with uh, with Iran um, or you know we're not or we have to find alternative um, you know alternative methods and um, it's uh, yeah so I, I in this piece I really didn't have any answers I was just bringing up more questions no I think I think it's important that you did and it raises yet an even bigger question that you're a national security expert, David. Maybe you can help me understand this. Um, And maybe the answer is just left-wing hypocrisy or something close to it. But help me understand an administration, this one, that speaks tough about sanctions and and using them against Russia to maintain the territorial integrity and safety of Ukraine, an ally of ours, that now wants to get rid of sanctions against an enemy of ours in Iran to enrich them as they have made no bones about territorial integrity elsewhere. You had mentioned Yemen. I would say Syria is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Iran regime at this point. And, of and course, Lebanon. their incursions right. into Iraq. Talk, explain this to me. Um, yeah, I mean <laughs> – Unfortunately, it's the thing that it's it's one thing that really nobody can explain, okay. which is the motivations of this administration. I mean, um, it really does feel like Obama Part Two uh-huh. in the sense, not just because the cast of characters is is very similar, especially on this portfolio. Yep. Um, when you've got Wendy Sherman and you've got um, uh, uh, Jake Sullivan mm-hmm. and, and 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 some you know some of the others. Um, but also in the fact that through for eight years under Obama, we we were not entirely sure of what their true foreign policy vision for the world and the Middle East specifically actually was. And um, you know, uh, they 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 kind of talked a great game about you know freedom and democracy, et cetera. But uh, but when when push comes to shove, what they did was the same thing. What what Biden is doing now. Which he is, um, he is uh, helping our adversaries, and he's punishing our friends. Mm-hmm. And it could only lead one to believe that, um, which I believed under Obama uh, certainly, and under these guys too, which is that they fundamentally see our system of alliances built up over the last several decades as um, as as not beneficial and fraudulent, and you know morally compromised, etc. So in order to fix that. Um, they are appealing to Iran, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which, uh, you know, which is, you know, talk about morally compromised, uh, mm-hmm. which is, 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 is kind of uh, ridiculous. But at every turn, what they're doing is they're alienating 
um, you know, folks who should be, uh, you know, who have been and should be allies um, in order to, to, you know, seek some type of agreement with, uh, with, with Iran. I mean, it's, it's crazy. You could even say that, um, that the Biden administration's obsession with getting the Iranians to sign on the dotted line, no matter what the deal contains, as long as they can say that they have a deal, um, is, uh, is, is, is sort of the driving force that is, um, that is, you know, that is kind of controlling foreign policy everywhere, even when it comes to Ukraine. Um, you know, because there is a, there's a limit, there's a limit, you know, there's a limit to which, you know, the Biden administration will go when it comes to dealing with Putin. I mean, mm-hmm. you'll call him a war criminal, we'll, like, Try to round him up and send him to the Hague. We'll try to assassinate him or mm-hmm. or, or or topple his government. But like, no, no, no. We need you in Vienna to get the Iranians mm-hmm. to sign something. And it just—I don't know. I mean, more than anything, it speaks to the to to the unseriousness of these people. Yeah. Um, on on one hand, um, on the other hand, it's like you know they're so unserious and the stakes are so high that is that it is it is terrifying. Yeah, we're not we're not slouching towards Gomorrah, as the poet put it. We are uh, we are we are we are speeding towards disaster. And and the funny thing I got to run, David. Thank you for your time. I just the other thing I want people to note is it's odd that the U.S. wants this deal more than Iran. We seem to have to bribe Iran to sit down at a table with us. Maybe that's the first clue that this isn't such a good idea in the first place. David, bless you, sir, and thank you for your time. You've been generous with it as well as your brain. Always a pleasure. Thanks, my friend. You betcha. Bye-bye. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature. Their fruits and veggies are what I take every single day. Just take it. Once a day, uh, you can always take more if you uh, find yourself uh, burning the candle at both ends a little more a little ti- more tired than you want to be. You can always take more because you can't overdose on fruits and veggies, and that's all that's in Balance of Nature capsules: fruits and veggies, not ninety nine point something percent pure, one hundred percent. That's all it is, including the capsule it comes in, which is del- uh, designed to be opened up and sprinkled on food or drink if you don't like swallowing a capsule, which is a normal sized capsule capsule i swallow it but some people even chew them it's a little snack you get on the fruit side everything from bananas apples aloe vera cherries lemons pineapple raspberries tomatoes papaya grapefruit all the good potent powerful stuff and that's just a sampling of what you get in one single daily dose of the fruits in the blend of fruits and veggies from balance of nature check them out balance of nature their fruits and veggies been keeping me well and my immunity boosted for three years it can do the same for you when you order it, make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Balanceofnature.com, their fruits and veggies, discount code BALANCE. We're going to uh, follow up on what is transpiring uh, between Russia and Ukraine at the top of the next hour. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, we have found our favorite expert uh, on this, Anna Borishkaya. She uh, has been with us before. She will uh, be with us shortly. Um, in just a few moments on the other side of the top of the news break. And also, I want to tell you, uh, I played some audio of a young man who stood up at the University of Chicago at a conference on disinformation and challenged Dan Applebaum of the Atlantic Monthly uh, on uh, peddling misinformation when it came to the Hunter Biden uh, laptop. 
And uh, she just simply dismissed it, saying it's uninteresting to her. The question is uninteresting to her, she said. Just And that's how she answered it. Okay. Uh, there was another panel that included uh, Brian uh, Stelter from CNN and, and, and Steve Hayes, uh, who now, I guess, heads the bulwark. And does he also work for CNN now, too? He left Fox in a snit, so he ran to CNN. And uh, and and it's a this the student asks them an even deeper, more serious question about disinformation and CNN. See how they dismiss it when we come back as well. You're not going to want to miss it. And also kind of maybe take a lesson from this college freshman. Uh, I was pointing out for all the things we say negative about the millennial generation, those that are good. And we have a bunch in our constellation, don't we, Bill, from uh, Lewis Hallman to Yair to uh, Brian, uh, Brandon Weicker to Ariel Davidson. When they're good, they are 10 standard deviations better than the rest of us. When they're bad, they're awful. This one is going to be a good one, folks. It's going to be a good one, this kid, Christopher Phillips at University of Chicago. So don't go away. we got a lot more for you when we come right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 